You know, uh, I'm, I'm really excited about Father's Day. Um, uh, actually, I brought my card. Anybody? And did anybody get a card that's bigger than mine? Okay, this is this is my card, and uh, I think is it okay if I open it? I mean, I don't know if the girls will mind or not, but uh, I think I'm going to open it. I I can always put it back, right? Okay. <clears throat> oh man, this is a big. This is a big card. A little Snoopy on there. That's not what my dog looks like, by the way. Dad is such a little word for such a big job. Big thanks for all you do to the world's greatest dad. Oh. It just kind of gets you, right? Man, I didn't even know I was nominated. I mean... Things like that, they, they always have like this process, you know, like cell phone calls, you know, make sure your vote's in by 9 o'clock or it doesn't count. You can only vote three times in one, you know, computer or whatever. This is fantastic. I'm, I'm pretty pumped about this. You know, I, I was actually at Walmart the other day, and they have like 20,000 mugs that say, World's Greatest Dad. That is not going to all fit in my cabinet, okay? That's a problem. And, and you know, maybe uh, uh, there's another problem, too, is that probably, most likely, you're going to get one of those mugs. And if you're the greatest father, and I'm the world's greatest father, and everybody is the world's greatest father, right? We got a problem, you know, it's kind of an exclusive word for such a large group of people. And by its very nature, that phrase, we can't all be the world's greatest dad. So I'm sorry, but you're going to have to step aside. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. What, what are we trying to do with that phrase? What are we trying to say? We're trying to say, Dad, thank you. We appreciate what you're doing. We, we're, we acknowledge uh, what you've done for our lives, you've made an impact on us. We're giving him words of affirmation. We're emphasizing dad's importance in our lives. And, and look, I am all for it. But today, I want to give credit where credit is due. Because the title of the world's greatest dad goes to the Lord. And so we find out who God is in many ways. And one of the ways that he shares himself with us or, or communicates who he is is through pictures or common experiences that we have. And God's word continually shares truth about the nature of God. And it's incredible because it's done in such a visual way. The tabernacle and, and the temple in the Old Testament show us what it's like to approach God and how serious our sin is. The Lord's Supper, that, that picture that we celebrated last weekend, shows just how far he would go to come to our rescue. And then next weekend, we're going to celebrate baptism. It illustrates for us the result of a life surrendered to him. He brought us new life. He brought us resurrection. And as you start looking at these pictures in God's word, when, when you read that uh, uh, at the death of Christ, the heavy curtain that, that was in the temple that separated us from the holy place, that, that representation of, of who God was and how mighty and holy he is, 
when you read that that was torn, you understand that we are being invited into his presence by this picture. God is an incredible master at giving us concrete and powerful pictures that speak volumes to who he is. And the most powerful uh, impacts in our lives have God's hand all over it. And dads, he, is taking, he has taken your role of fatherhood and has given it in all, and, uh, to all mankind as a primary picture of his character and of his nature. A picture of the father that he is. Man. And we thought we were just, you know, trying to have good kids, right? Trying to take care of them, do our job as a parent. You know, it's a monumental task. In fact, in many ways, we're going to see tonight that it's an impossible task. And I I want you to understand from the very beginning, I am not a parenting guru, okay? I I am actually a relatively new parent. And, And I'll be the first to admit that I haven't seen it all, I don't know it all, I don't even do it all right. But I do believe that God's word and this picture can speak truth to us today. You know, without a doubt, he shows us what a great dad looks like. This world's greatest dad shows us what a great dad looks like. You know, that, that to me is like one of the coolest things because we can follow the heart of the world's greatest dad. And in many ways, he, it, it keeps it pretty simple for us. Just watch what he's doing and go ahead and do it. One problem, he's God, I'm not, right? So I I want you to turn with me to to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, and and in just a moment we're going to talk together about some of the character traits that we get from God and that help us to know him better. And it's especially amazing when we get to see those qualities in our dads. These particular character traits that we're going to talk about can be true of you as a dad, whether you're a disciple of Christ, whether you're a Christian or not. And and I want to be clear about that, because we are uh, far from perfect in all these things. And he is the best. I mean, there's no comparison. So anything good, we get from him. So whether we acknowledge him as the ruler of our lives or not, God is the source of anything positive that comes out of our lives as people or as dads. But I want you to hear the heart of God in in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, uh, for everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. I love how simple that is. God says, "Are you looking for something from me? Are you looking for guidance, for direction, for for understanding, for anything? What are you looking for?" The heart of the dad is, "Ask me. Just ask me." I want to provide those things for you. I want to be uh, the, the, the source 
of all that, that, uh, that I can do for your lives. And he kind of, there's kind of a, uh, an idea of, don't you believe me? And then he uses the example of a father, of, of your role. He says, or what man is there among you who when his son asks for a loaf, for, for a, a loaf of bread, will give him a stone? Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> That's not really what we do as dads, right? Those basics, our desire is to take care of those. Or, or, uh, or if he asks for a fish, will he not give him a snake? Now I have to say, I'm not a big fan of fish. Like, I'm more of a hamburger guy. But if it was between fish and a snake, what would the reply be, right? What's the expectation? I'm not going to put a poisonous snake on your plate. That's not the heart of a dad. Then he says, if you, being evil, or, and really what he's saying is, if you who are highly imperfect, and I'm the first one to raise my hand to that, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, I mean, it's a given, right? It's not hard. If you know how to do that, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give you what is good to those who ask him? You see, there's something that God has built into our DNA that connects with his heart. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says that we were made in the image of God. You can almost hear a, a switch come on for, for most men, you know, as uh, when they see their child for the first time or, or when they hold that baby in their arms. People get serious about life. They stop drinking, stop smoking, stop doing things that they shouldn't be doing, right? They say, you know what? I've got to be a dad. People get serious about their choices and about their role in that human being's life. And that's not a rule. You know, for, for some, that doesn't happen, unfortunately. It just seems to be a, a common point of transition into fatherhood, into maturity. And I know we've all had different experiences when it comes to our dad. It, it ranges from, from I want to be just like my dad to I want to be nothing like my dad to I never even had a dad. But I want you to take a moment and write down two of the very best qualities of a dad. Go ahead. Write down two of the very best qualities of a dad. Whether you've seen it in your dad, or whether you've seen it in another person who is kind of a dad figure to you. Okay, I don't see everybody's pens moving, so I'm going to hold off for a second. Okay, write those down. And even those of you who are watching by video, go ahead. Uh, I, I got all the time in the world, so uh, everybody got them? Okay, does anyone want to share one of those? Mary. Faithfulness and forgiveness. Pillar of strength. Man of God, man of integrity. Unconditional love. Understanding. 
You, you know what's really cool about these characteristics that you just named as, as the very best of your dad? Those are all characteristics of God. They're from him. He's the one that we look to. He's the one that, that it comes from. And, and you know, um, many of you may have written down different things. And, and I do think that that commonality is there. And I have a couple that I want to share with you. And you know, certainly not an exhaustive list. We're, we're not able to get down to the depths of who God is in just a short period. It takes time, doesn't it? We're only scratching the surface of how God treats us as his kids and what should come out of a dad's life. He is, uh, uh, here's a primary characteristic of a dad who points us to God. He is present. Now just being there is huge. Many of you may know that from experience. You know, one uh, stat says that one out of three children live without their biological father in the home. And I'll be honest, my family is one of those families. And I know there are all sorts of reasons for that and some very good reasons. But dad, do you have a tangible presence in your kids' lives? You know, this source goes on to share all of the ways that a father's role can impact his family, positively with his presence and negatively with his absence. And I want you to, to look at how the simple presence of God impacts our lives. I want you to look at, at Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. So because he is with me, I can be strong, I can be courageous as his child. No matter what comes against me, no matter what happens, no matter what the difficulty is, no matter what the battle, he's going to be there. And there's a confidence that we have in this life because he has our back, because he is with us, because he is present no matter what. And that's foundational to our tasks as fathers, isn't it? Now, obviously, his strength is much greater than ours. But the boy who stands at the baseball plate and is able to look to you for encouragement, for confidence, that no matter what the result, you're with him, you're for him, has been given a greater gift than a home run without you ever could. And I know that every situation is different, whether it's because of divorce or, or your job or whatever the situation might be, but take every chance that you can to be present in the lives of your family, in the lives of your kids, whether they're, they're young or whether they've grown and moved out of the house. And when you are at home, be present. It might mean putting away your phone and computer and into timeout for a while, right? Just saying, you know what? I can do that later. I can do that another time. And I know we all have millions of things to get done. 
I do too. And sometimes you have to. But don't make it your practice. Don't make it typical for your kids. Don't make it expected for them. Because in the end, it's not always practical to set aside your needs, to set aside the things that you need to do. But it's essential, and it makes a difference in the lives of your kids. And here's another great one that we learn about God through our dads. His love. The love of a father. Psalm 103.13 says, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. In John, 1 John, chapter 4, in verse 7 it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who, who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation, the sacrifice for our sins, the satisfaction. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. It's in our DNA. The love that God shows and pours out on us is incredible. It's spectacular. And he says it's for you to pass on. Verse 16 says, We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. That, that, that verse is saying we get it now. We've experienced it. I know what the love of God is. He has done such an amazing work on my behalf. He really is love unmatchable. God is love, the verse says, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. There's something in the heart of a dad that will never let go, will never stop loving no matter what the circumstances. We've experienced that with God. We don't always uh, do this perfectly, and for some of you, it might look like the love has stopped from your dad. But I think there is something inside of us that lingers even when we never act on it. There's that desire. And I love that, that God goes way beyond what a regular dad does. He does things, uh, he does the things that he expects of us. In John 15, verses uh, 12 and 13, it says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. But he doesn't just say, go and do it. He says, this is what I've done for you. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. We get that heart from him. He's gone through it for us. And in the most extreme of relationships, where things are torn apart between father and son or daughter, where there seems to be such a hatred, such a volatility, only the world's greatest dad can show unconditional love. And he shows it so drastically that it even reaches to his enemies. Matthew chapter 5, verses 40, uh, starting in verse 43, says, You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's typical, right? Be nice to people who are nice to you. Be mean to people who are mean to you. That's the way the world works. But I say to you, 
Love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Listen, this is, this is it right here. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. So, so that you'll take after your dad. I want you to write down some of these uh, other ones and, and maybe come back to them later on in the week. He is a protector. He brings correction. He's the provider. He loves his bride. He is consistent. I, I, I love that word because wrapped in that is constant, faithful, and forgiving. You know, uh, in 1 John 1.9, it, it says that, um, that he is faithful and just to forgive us for our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And what I love is that he doesn't change the rules on us, right? It's not uh, you're forgiven one day and you're out of luck the next. He is faithful. He is constant. He is consistent. He's patient, slow to anger. He is gentle. He's a promise keeper. You know what? That's a tall order, and, and we're only scratching the surface. And if you're a dad here today, I hope to a certain extent you feel like, oh man, that's a little much for me. There's no way that I could do that. I want you to listen carefully. You're a dad, uh, and, and really for all of us, your dad cannot do all of these things all the time. We're going to let you down. And for that, I am so sorry. Here we are, supposed to be these clear representations of our Heavenly Father. And, and really, we end up making it like a fuzzy, out-of-focus picture of what God's supposed to look like. But today, I want you to know the heart of God. That no matter what the situation, He is and will be all of those things for you all the time. He will be your ideal Father. Your perfect Father. And our God has revealed so much of Himself to us and put that desire in us. But He doesn't say, okay, now figure it out on your own. Because again, I'm overwhelmed. Like Matthew 7 7 says, ask, seek, knock. If we allow Him, He will change the purpose and the focus of our story. Not only does he show us what a great dad looks like, but he opens a whole new way to be a great dad. Because let's face it, we're overwhelmed. It's beyond us. We're not measuring up that all God is. And it's kind of like, well, I'm still trying to catch up, right? There's more and more that I can't do. There is more that you can't do without him, but with him, man, that changes everything. And, and he wants to pull back the curtain and show us truth that changes how and why the, we do things as dads. And many times we're focused on raising good, responsible kids, and that's good. I'm glad for that. But his heart is for them to be so much more. He has tasked us to point them to him. 
Not only are there things that you can't do without him, but there are things that you can't see without him either. And the Bible reveals that there's a a spiritual realm and and an enemy who desires to destroy you and your family. And he's had pretty good success in the world. And piece by piece, he's been tearing us apart. And dad, it's your job to be the spiritual leader of your house, to defend your family. And that's a big task. It requires a whole new way, a whole new set of tools. And here's what the world's greatest dad, this is where he starts. And this is essential. You need to prepare yourself and your relationship with him. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26 says, Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress. Whoever has that relationship with the Lord has a secure fortress, a tower, a safety from the enemy. And for their children, it will be a refuge. If you want to keep your family safe, if you want to be a refuge for them, you need to have a refuge that's only found in Christ. The story of the Bible is that there's a separation between me and him because of my sin. It's a chasm so wide that the only way it could ever be overcome is through Christ. And Christ offers us that rescue, that salvation. But we have an enemy who wants to keep you from that. So not only for you, but for your family, have you trusted him for that salvation? For that rescue from the enemy? That is the only way that you can be prepared for what lies ahead. And this verse says that 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 decision to surrender to him benefits your family. Now, each of them has to come to a point of turning their lives over to Christ. You, as great as you are, cannot make that decision for them. But they have a guardian now. You. You see the danger in their lives with spiritual eyes And you stand between them and the enemy. You know, ever since we've had this spring or summer or I guess whatever we want to call it now, uh, our family's been going out for walks. And we we live kind of in in a neighborhood setting, but there's a couple of roads that are pretty busy. And so one of the things that, that I've been teaching the girls is to look both ways before you cross the road. Something that every father should teach their kids, right? That or just give them the Frogger game. They'll figure it out. Um, and you know, so far we've been doing pretty good. You know, I, um, but one of the things that we do is we intentionally stop and look. But I ask them to wait. I ask them to let me say that it's okay for them to go. Why? Because I see things that they don't see. I recognize dangers that they are not aware of. It's my job to protect them, to keep them safe. And so my understanding and my recognition of danger is a great benefit to them, even if they don't see it, even if they don't recognize it, even if they don't acknowledge that that's what I'm doing, whether your kids are young or old. And that's why dad... You need to be hearing from God. That's why we need to be preparing ourselves. We've been talking in our series, Growing Deeper and Getting Stronger, about 
some critical areas of our relationship with God. And you know, it really hits home when you realize and you recognize that it's not just about you. It's about your family too. It's about those who God has entrusted you with. If you're not seeking after him, if you're not hearing from him, you can't do your job as effectively. There's no question we cannot defend our family without him. You know, there's another way that God helps us with this monumental task of of being dad. And he's helping us to provide the foundation for our kids. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 6, it says, These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your hearts. You shall teach them diligently to your sons. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. God's saying these, these commandments, these, these uh, um, uh, points that, that I am, these principles for living that I have given to you Put reminders of them everywhere. Don't forget them. Remind yourself of them. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to have a fish on every car that you own. Or or that you have to have Bible verses on every wall of your house. But it does mean to be intentional about pointing your kids to Christ. And that can be through His Word. Primarily, that can be through who you are and what you're doing. Take moments daily in life to point them to Christ and his word. If you're relying on the church experts to fill that, you're missing God's heart. Certainly, what a blessing and an advantage it is to have others that that we can come together with as a community called a church body, that we can help each other. It's, It's such a blessing. And sometimes your kids can't, just can't hear it from you. They have to hear it from someone else before they believe it, right? So we have Kids Church, Youth Group, Awana, Parenting Classes, VBS. These are things that are designed to come alongside of you and to help you. But families and dads specifically are called to provide this spiritual foundation for their families. And we're all with you. Look around this room. We, we think it's a big deal. We are each a part of encouraging and strengthening the other. We are each a part of the, the uh, foundation that we need to give each other and to the kids around us. Would you be intentional about that? You know, God also wants us to show them how. To be their example with God as your example. Show them how to rely on God in tough situations. And how to praise Him in the middle of difficulty. And to to rejoice when you see His provisions come. Show how the Holy Spirit brings out things from your life that are beyond you. Things that you've never expected. Things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Oh yeah, the fruit of the Spirit. It's nothing that we can conjure up. It's only something that comes from God and His Spirit. 
So many of the things that we talked about early on, they are magnified when the fruit of the Spirit comes out of the life of a believer. Show them what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. And finally, be equipping your kids. Help them put on their gear. Help them get ready in their next steps, no matter where they are in life. Whether that is for for them as a future father or a future mom, or whether it's uh, in their task at at their job or, or in school or whatever it may be, no matter where they are. You know, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 through 18, talks about the equipment that God offers to us as protection from the enemy. It's called the armor of God. And and just like that oxygen mask on the airplane, right? First, put yours on. Then, help those around you. Give them the tools that God has given to you. So maybe this week, Take that, that passage in Ephesians chapter 6, 11 through 18. Say, okay, these are the areas, these are the things, God, that, that you want, that you've given me, that you've equipped me with to protect myself and to equip my family. What's incredible is that God has given us everything that we need. He hasn't left us lacking. In 2 Peter 1 verse 3 it says, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who calls us by his own glory and excellence. He's equipped us. And dads, it can be overwhelming. It can seem like too much. But it's not when he is there, when you're depending on him. We can't do it without him. And we're not going to be perfect. But that fuzzy, out-of-focus picture is intended to point us to the clear, unfailing God who we serve. And for all of us, we have a God who can take care of all that we need, no matter what. And you know, that, that's amazing. It's amazing how that when God is at work in a family, it tends to bubble out uh, to those beyond our boundaries. You know, I, I think of uh, James chapter 1, verse 27. that says uh, that pure and undefiled religion, from God's perspective, is taking care of orphans and widows. Really, the most vulnerable people in our culture and in our world. It's, and God's heart isn't just for you and for your family to have a real-life example of the world's greatest dad. His heart is that everyone has that example of the world's greatest dad. And you know, those dads who aren't representing God, those, and those who don't have a dad, those who, whose dads have, have passed away, and, uh, or, or those who have rejected their dad, God yearns to be a father for them. Like we shared earlier, father to the fatherless. And he invites you to extend your family into their lives. So maybe this Father's Day, consider how God would have you do that in your family. That can look like a whole lot of different things. So don't pin it down to just one thing. See how God would want to use you and your family to be that example for others. Why don't we bow uh, together?
close our eyes. You know, maybe you're a dad today that needs to examine yourself in front of the very best of dads. Maybe you need to to seek forgiveness for the times that you've fallen short. Would you ask him to walk through you, to walk beside you, to give you the strength that you need? He will do it. He will show you the way. Or maybe you're feeling that void in your life today, the one that's supposed to be filled by dad. And truthfully, all this talk about that role is a little too painful, a little too raw. Would you let God speak to you today? I wanted you to know the fullness of my love through your dad. But where they have failed, I never will. Where they have let you down, I will be your constant. Where they have brought pain, I will bring healing. You know, even the very best of dads could never fill the needs of your heart. Only he You know, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, if you've never asked Him to be your Father, today might be the very best Father's Day of all for you. Father, Dad, we come before you and we are overwhelmed by your love for us. We're overwhelmed by your provision for us. We're overwhelmed by your presence in our lives. We're overwhelmed that you made the ultimate sacrifice, paid the penalty for our sin, and has given us the ability to have a right relationship with you. Father, thank you. And Lord, I pray for us Because we need you. We need you to be our Father first and foremost, without a doubt, without comparison. But Lord, I pray for the dads in this room that they would seek you for the lives of their family. It is critical, it is necessary. And Lord, for those who are hurting right now, because they don't have a dad like you are, I pray that they would find you near to them today. That you would overwhelm them with your great, majestic goodness. That you would let them know You are the world's greatest dad. In Jesus' name.